everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Scary movie love for scary movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003, which means I am joined by Michael Bay superfan Anthony King. Hey, Anthony. Uh, hello, Patrick. I'm sorry that I seem to make you talk about things you don't want to talk about. But the goal is always to make you realize how much of a masterpiece this thing is. So I know uh, I know what you did last summer is now like number one for you. So mission accomplished there with a bullet. <laughs> um, I did like that movie more after we finished talking about it. So I, that's sort more. of that's sort of the thing. Like when after you talk about a movie or like you research a movie, you know, you you learn to appreciate it more. Right, and right. not that I've gone back to watch. I know what you did last summer since we talked about it, but <laughs> pretty sure I have the 4K on my Amazon wish list just to keep track of. Like, yeah, maybe someday if this drops down to ten dollars, I'll pick it up. But I don't see that right. happening. Yeah. Uh, how's everything going, Anthony? How's your scary movie month going? It's good. Uh, it's busy. I I just did. A little uh, on Letterbox, you can see your stats for the month. And I realized I've watched 32, 33, 34 movies now. Wow. And it's October 11th. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> you know, uh, the You're life busy. of a stay-at-home dad who who has two children in school. Right. Is, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I really like uh, last Friday, if you go to fthismovie.com, Anthony's writing a new sort of series, which is like a diary of what he's been watching. So make sure you guys are looking for that. And how's everything going on Cult Movies Podcast? It's good. I'm on a break now, which is nice because I wanted to dedicate uh, everything, all of my energy to Scary Movie Month and uh, realized the, the first day I watched like six scary movies and then I thought, oh, I need to slow down. This is not great. So I started mixing in non horror stuff too. So I, I don't know if I'll keep writing about that, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I did watch these. So I'll throw those into the, the thing I wrote up, but uh, yeah, I, I was like, Oh, burnout is for real. on yeah, day oh, one. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> definitely. I was doing the first couple of scary movie months. I was doing like a job from home. Uh, for like these six hour shifts where I would just have to like read the, like an online guest book for, um, like eulogies and stuff. And, uh, it was monotonous and not great. So I would just plow through movies and I would burn out right. pretty early. Real fast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, what I did, I learned, uh, I think I probably did it last year too, October, because I, I had always burned out. Um, and so I started mixing in, you know, other movies too. And, you know, having a podcast of my own helps because I have to watch stuff for that, which is sure. usually not horror. So I, I get to kind of mix it up. Uh, but you know, 34 movies in 11 days, it's a little much. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't proud when I posted that. I, it's not like I was bragging. It was more of a, look how much of a freaking loser this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear about what you've been watching, but first we're going to read through some of our Scary Movie Challenge entries. If you are new to the Scary Movie Challenge or new to the FS Movie Podcast during Scary Movie Month, 
Uh, all month long, every time you watch a scary movie, go to fthismovie.com and leave a seven-word review under that day's uh, website entry, whatever you want to call it, posting. Um, and then we pick some of our favorites and we read them on the show. So, Anthony, I will let you go first. All right. So it, it's been a week since since uh, we've read these on uh, online. So I, I have I have like nine handfuls. Oh, there's, wow. some, there's some good ones. Not nine handfuls, but uh, <laughs> you know, a good number. Um, all right, from Jonathan Mills on They Them from 2022. Not good, but the bacon still cooks. Nice. That is an that is an accurate review because that movie is not good, but Kevin Bacon is good. Uh, our friend Lindsay Wilkins from the Schlock and Awe podcast of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, the movie we are discussing tonight. My boyfriend's face really highlights your cheekbones. <laughs> Speaking of my boyfriend, Joel Edmondson, my boyfriend's <laughs> back. Uh, he says, my boyfriend has such a nice back. Nice. Chris Cabellos of Halloween 2, 2009, the Rob Zombie one. Crazy expensive Munsters audition tape for Roebuck. <laughs> uh, Mac McIntyre, the beast with a million eyes from 1956. One, two. Oh, screw it. A million. <laughs> Tom S. Tex of The Invisible Man, 1933. He'd be sneakier if he cackled less. Uh, Lauren B. Hellraiser 2022. We have such mez to show you. <laughs> Eric Asper Schlager of Jigsaw 2017. Worse neighbor, John or his brother Cosmo? <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I uh, assume the last name is Kramer. It is, yeah. Uh, Kramer, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian... Uh, Ryan S. of Black Sunday from 1960 watched Saturday, yet still black. Damn, demand a refund. <laughs> uh, Paul Calvert of Hellraiser 2022, almost crying girl on verge of crying. <laughs> Gil B. of Piranha 3D, the boob with boobs, boobed, <laughs> bloodily boobily. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Jan Boo, Bu uh, of Hatching 2020. Mother sees her daughter as a burden. <laughs> More of a visual. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of those that I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to read these because they're very funny, but it's, you know, it's the, the, the spelling. The word uh, play, Tom, right. Right. Tom S. Tex, Black Christmas, 1974. The real horror is the toilet whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play in a band called Toilet Whiskey. We were okay. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer of Werewolf by Night. I, too, agree monsters should be Ted's. Chris Cooper of The Lost Boys. I kind of like all the damn vampires. Lauren B. of John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Some say underrated. These people are wrong. <clears throat> we'll talk about that here soon. Oh, boy. Uh, another from Thomas Tex. It follows. It wants to talk about your warranty. <laughs> TJ Mackey, 432 of Hellraiser, 1987. Need information about Cenobites? Come to daddy. <laughs> uh, Angela Hager, of Prom Night, 1980. I'd want to kill most of them, too. <laughs> Rocco T. Thompson of Terrifier 2. Arts, a horror icon worth his salt. <laughs> Matthew B. of Hellraiser, 2022. Live, laugh, love. Liminal, Leviathan, and Lament. Very nice. Louis Viljean of The Sadness. Improper use of an eye socket, mister. 
Oh, Andy Bishop really. of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, home wrecking mustachioed protagonist, crumbling society, the 70s. <laughs> Why I love the 70s. Yeah. Ty's videotape of Zombieland Double Tap, plot hole. <laughs> you'd never leave Rosario Dawson. <laughs> uh, delete that one off my list. <laughs> That's uh, our first double, not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, our own Michael Pomero of The Fog, 1980. Add mustache and Atkins could defeat fog. <laughs> uh, Todd Slade of Cat's Eye. Two men's magazine stories and a troll. <laughs> Jennifer of Vamps. Vamps with a Z. Blood's not all these vamps are sucking. Oh, uh, this is my last one. Monkey of Firestarter 2022. Successfully captures originals tone. Really fucking dull. I will not take... This OG Firestarter slander. I read it because it was funny, but I do not endorse the opinions <laughs> contained within. Uh, and I have one more here from uh, James TJ Mackey of X 2022 20. Yeah, 2022. Is that how you say this year? That's right. Uh, zealous, secluded, senior citizens, <laughs> slay, sexy, zarlet. <laughs> Uh, I like like we get a few real alliterative alliterative ones and then we get people like James just being like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them coming. They're super entertaining to read. We always get a big kick out of reading them on the show. And it's fun when people tweet out like, oh, I'm so excited. I got my my seven word review read on F this movie. So yeah. uh, they've been great. Thank you guys very much for submitting these. Keep them coming. Anthony, have you seen anything scary lately? Oh, I've seen lots of scary things lately. Um, I'm just going to talk about four. So every, if you read my, my journal entry last Friday, um, every Saturday I'm doing, I'm dedicating it to a specific director. And so I started with William Castle and I'm watching four movies from that director that I hadn't seen yet. So I started with William Castle. And then the second week was John Carpenter. And so I watched Vampires, Village of the Dam, Someone's Watching Me, and Ghost of Mars. So uh, start with Vampires. I had seen Vampires when it came out, but it was, you know, 1998. I was, okay. you know, 16 and young, dumb, and full of cum and not paying attention to the movie. Um, uh, listen, we all know James Woods. God damn it. The guy's like one of my favorite actors. Yeah, he's um, great. He, he doesn't have a lot of range. But God, he can James Woods better than any anybody does. Yeah. Um, vampires. I, I don't really know the consensus on vampires, but I, it still fucking rules. I think um, James Woods is great. Uh, now, here's the funny thing: Daniel Baldwin is is uh, a quarter of the Baldwins that is in this movie, and I gotta say, and I like. All the Baldwins, you know, you got Alec at kind of the top, Billy, and then uh, probably Daniel and Stevens, my my uh, bench player. But um, it's almost like when you watch one of the, you know, Steven or Daniel, it's like, or sometimes even Billy, it's like they're all doing impressions of what a Baldwin is supposed to be, <laughs> of what we think a Baldwin is. Right. Um, and so this is... Daniel, uh, this was back when he, he was a little heftier and like really looks like Alec now. Um, but you know, he's, he's good. 
uh, entertaining. Cheryl Lee is is sort of the the turning vampire that they're hauling around because they think they can use her to find out where Valak is, and um, and it's it's super entertaining. I love that. Um, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, he's in Thirty One Days of Night. Oh, Mark Boone Jr. Oh yeah. You know, he, so like I had just done a, a, a thing on 30 Days of Night, a neon badge on 30 Days of Night, and he was in that. And then uh, here he is in Vampires. And so I like that he he kind of played these character actors in these um, not like top tier horror movies, but like kind of mid range horror right, movies. Right. Um, so that, that was cool. But Vampires fucking kills i love it i i really really liked it what do you think about vampires i haven't revisited it in a while i remember loving the concept i remember enjoying the james woods of it all uh i remember like the last time i watched it i I was like i could use half as many padres and (laughs) twice as few like homophobic slurs but other than that um, it's a really fun, like vampire Western. It's got like maybe some pacing things, but the good stuff I think far outweighs the bad. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think now listen, like I'm a fan of, um, <laughs> almost all of John Carpenter's movies. I still haven't seen Elvis, which I assume I will like. I haven't seen, um, the Chevy chase invisible man memoirs of an mm. invisible man. Yeah. Um, so I want to see that because I, I don't know where I'm going to land. One of these that I watched, I did not like, <laughs> um, but car and like, I even like the ward. Uh, and okay. I know a lot of, a lot of people don't, but I think it's a, it's a solid movie. Um, so, you know, it, sure. He kind of quote lost his steam towards the end, but you know, I, I don't know. He, he was, it was still solid. Like it's such a carpenter movie, right? Yeah. Like yeah. such he has such a confident hand and I'm not saying things people don't know. Hello. Um, but he has such a confident hand in his direction. Um, and God, the guy knows what he's doing. And this is 1998. So we're still dealing with, um, as far as I could tell, all practical effects. Yeah. Like they drag the vamps out of the, of their, their nests. Like they burst into flames and that's fucking rad. Yeah. They killed cool. real vampires for that. Right. Yes, they did. Uh, there's one, the one where, where James Woods is like, he has to hold on to the vampire as Daniel Baldwin's dragging <laughs> yeah. it out. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past James Woods, uh, but like it bursts into flames a split second after he rolls off of it. So, you know, it was probably a stunt person, but who the fuck knows? It could be James Woods, but like, there's, I was like, you know, holding my mouth i was like oh my god that is so fucking close to a disaster <laughs> um anyways i i really dig it um and i love i love this the setting you know because it's you think vampires and so most of it takes place at night this is out in new mexico most of it taking place in the daytime when they're right. out hunting these vampires and so it's a cool kind of premise for a vampire movie and i think you know they they kind of played with uh, the tropes, what we know of vampire movies. So it was, it was cool. I dug it. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's maybe the last, I don't want to say great Carpenter because I don't think I would elevate it to great status, yeah. but I think it's the last one that really feels like a, uh, well, he, his Masters of Horror are pretty fun too. I don't yes. know. I, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so then I watched Village of the Damned from 1995, and yeah. this TV movie is this a TV movie? It was not a TV movie. Okay, this it was, was theatrical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so this is Christopher Reeve and, and Kirstie Alley, um, and the, I can't remember who I was talking to recently about this. How um, I've never been like a big superhero kid. I never read comic books, and so like I watched superman when i was a kid once and i was like that this is not for me and i hate this fucking guy that plays superman so i never watched another christopher reeve movie and then when i was in high school and he had his horrific accident i was a real piece of shit and like made jokes about it and everything um and then last year two years ago i wrote about for this site how death trap was one of my top 10 discoveries michael kane and um Huge Lakers fan. Well, Christopher. Well, who, oh, oh, right. Uh, the woman anyways. was uh, Diane Cannon. Uh, Diane Cannon. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, and I was like, oh my god, Christopher Reeve is brilliant. What an actor! And that's, you know, it's it's a it's a three for it's a three person movie, and so they have to go big. And God, he is so great in that movie. And so I was excited to watch this Village of the Damned, and he. You know, the the kind of storyline is is spread out pretty much. It's not focused on, you know, I mean, it's mostly the kids, right? That's that's the main focus of the Village of the Dam. Right. Um, but he's solid as a rock in this. And so it makes me want to watch more Christopher Reeve movies. Anyways, um, so I, I thought I watched the original Village of the Dam for the first time last year, I think, for Scary Movie Month. And um you know, it's a, I think this is a good remake. It's, you know, it's very mid nineties, right. Um, a lot of, uh, button up collared shirts and jeans. <laughs> um, and it, uh, you know, I, I dug it. I, I thought the kids especially were really good in it. Um, and then I, I had no idea Mark Hamill was going to be in there as the yeah, master yeah. of the priest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a solid entry, Again, in Carpenter's um, filmography, I really dug it. Are you a fan of that movie? I am more than I'm not. Like, this one gets written off a lot. And the last time I watched it was, like, maybe shortly after Screen Factory put out their Blu-ray. And the first, like, 30 minutes, I think, are really strong. And I was like, I found it. I found the the underrated Carpenter. Because every time there's a new underrated Carpenter it's like Prince of Darkness, and then everybody finds it, and now everybody right. loves Prince of Darkness, and you're like, ah, fuck, okay, uh, maybe it's uh, <laughs> In the Mouth of Madness, and then everybody finds In the Mouth of Madness, and you're like, ah, god damn it, okay, maybe it's Village of the Damned. So the first half hour, I'm like, yeah, fucking A, Village of the Damned, and then it settles into something a little bit more familiar. I still like it overall. I think it's better than its reputation, because it's not particularly well-liked or respected, and even Carpenter... His heart wasn't totally in it. He did it because Universal was going to let him make a remake Creature from the Black Lagoon, I think, if he did Village of the Damned for them. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit perfunctory, uh, but I I am a fan of it overall, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's – well, that's why I, I asked if it was a TV movie because it does sort of – like the opening is great, right? The yeah. first kind of half of the first act. I'm on board, uh, but then it kind of falls into sort of we're just chugging along, buying, you know, buying time, waiting for the next commercial break. Right, exactly. That's why I was like, is this a TV? Anyway, so, uh, but overall, 
I liked it. I dug it. Uh, and then I followed that with Someone's Watching Me, his 1978 made-for-TV movie, um, which stars Lauren Hutton, Hutton uh, <laughs> and David Birney, Adrian um, Barbeau is in it, and uh, Charles Cyphers. It's kind of cool seeing these, you know, uh, early appearances of, was John, I, I assume Carpenter was married to Barbeau at the time, 78. I didn't think he was until The Fog, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay. So, uh, but it, yeah, it's kind of cool. Charles Cypher's in there. Um, but so this is, you know, uh, Lauren Hutton is a live television director and she moves to Los Angeles and she, you know, she's hired for like evening news or a morning show or something. Um, it doesn't really matter. And uh, she's living in this high rise and um, I kept thinking of Frasier for some reason, because there's so many episodes of Frasier where, where he gives his dad the, the uh, telescope and Martin is always like peeking in on people. And anyways, um, <clears throat> I thought it was fine. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of seventies movies. Um, this one really felt like a made for TV movie. And there's a lot of made for TV movies that I really love from the seventies. This one, I you know, it it didn't feel sleazy enough for me. You know, you have the creepy call, caller, the guy kind of stalking her. Um, but, you know, the reveal at the end, I was like, eh. <laughs> I kind of landed with a thud. Yeah. No pun intended if you've seen the movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it, you know, it it's fine. It's I think it's worth your time. But, you know, I, I was a little disappointed. <clears throat> yeah it's definitely like kind of a movie for carpenter completists to see like what he's doing at the exact same time as halloween you know right yeah um and that's what i'm trying to that's sort of why i'm doing these saturdays uh this month is to fill in holes and you know i i am fortunate to have a big chunk of time on the weekends to be able to watch lots of movies and so i thought this would be cool to fill in some holes here um and then <clears throat> Unfortunately, I ended my <laughs> mini Carpenter with 2001's Ghost of Mars. And um, I can't remember who did the seven word review that said those people are wrong who think this is meh. But that this was is... Jennifer or yeah, I don't remember who okay. that was, but yeah. Um, I'm sorry. This is less than meh. This is um, not quite a steaming pile of shit, but just above. Um <clears throat> I, I I listened to you and Adam talk on Species last week, right? And um, uh, no, I, I actually, I listened to it yesterday. I'm, I'm, I was catching up. So uh, I was like, and this is after I watched Ghost of Mars. And I'm thinking, are we talking about the same woman here? <laughs> but then I thought, okay, I'm a huge fan of the whole nine yards. And I think she's, I think Natasha Hentridge is great in, in the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, very funny movie. Um, and then Species, I watched, I rewatched for the first time, probably since it came out. Um, I rewatched it last year, two years ago, and it was exciting. And like, I, I was right on board with you guys and, and kind of agreed with, with what you guys were saying. Um, but also thinking this is not the same woman who was in Species or in the whole nine yards. And I don't really know the story of, of Ghost of Mars. I know that it was supposed to be escape from planet earth, right? The third snake movie um but oh 
my goodness gracious. Well, it's it was supposed uh, to be Courtney Love, and then she, like, broke her ankle or something, and so Henstridge stepped in maybe two weeks before shooting. That's, uh, that, uh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and somebody, so I, you know, I post what I'm watching all the time, and somebody commented, God, I hope they're not listening. They're like, oh, <laughs> this is my favorite Statham, and I was like, Really? Have you seen any <laughs> other movie? Because he is not great in this. And here's here's the thing I could not get over. And could they not have fixed this in post-production or something? Jason Statham is breathing so heavily and disgustingly through his mouth. <sighs> <laughs> and it's one of those where like you inhale and the your uvula kind of you know, does that thing and he does that several times like dozens of times i'm like oh my god this is the most disgusting fucking thing um so movie's not great i do dig um kind of the premise of it sure. you know, the red fog coming out the ghosts um i think the you know the the bad guys whatever the fuck they are right. are really cool uh, I think they could be scary, but, um, uh, you know, um, I'm super disappointed. Pam Greer's only in it for a tiny bit. Ice Cube is, uh, you know, talk about a guy with no range. He was fine. Um, loved seeing Clea Duvall, yeah. in, you know, in a role holding a huge fucking gun. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. But um, may she man, rest oh, in peace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately this movie was a big fat hemorrhoid on my ass <laughs> i come back to it every few years hoping to see something in it that i hadn't seen previously and it hasn't happened yet like i saw it opening night i've seen it probably four times since then and every time i'm like no nah, it's not quite there it feels like somebody kind of trying to approximate a john carpenter movie it's got a good cast, yeah. mostly wasted. Yep. Uh, I kind of feel like it has an Ice Cube problem. Like, he's fine at what he does, but I just I don't like the character. I don't like his two different hairstyles. Like, he has, an, he has indoor hair and outdoor hair. <laughs> you can tell they shot it at two different times. No, I'll, I'll tell you, my favorite part of Ghost of Mars is, is when we meet the, the three guys that are trying to break him out. Yeah. Um, cause I think that, that chemistry and that, the, the comedy of that section is really fucking funny. And like, that's when I was like, Oh, this is John Carpenter having fun. Um, but whew, my, and I'm looking at letterbox right now. Like I'm, there's a lot of three, three and a half stars. Yeah. I'm like what, what am I missing? So I'm going to have to do like in a couple years, I'm going to have to come back and see if I'm missing something here. Um, but oh my god, man! Well, like, who's your who's your absolute favorite filmmaker? Uh, what, Larry Fessenden. Okay, that's right. Does Larry Fessenden have a movie that you don't like? No, exactly. So I think there's so many people who just love John Carpenter so much. Then this is how I am with Toby Hooper or whatever. Toby, yeah. It's like he doesn't have a movie that I don't like, even though most people would look at something like Mortuary or Crocodile and be like, oh, what a piece of shit. And I'm like, no, there's stuff to like in there. There is stuff to like. Uh, yeah. No, I. you know what? Toby is one I like every uh, – I, I think there's only two I haven't seen. Um I like everything that I've seen of, of Toby's and he's not like, you know, one of my guys, he's not on my Mount Rushmore. Right. 
Carpenter would probably be on my Mount Rushmore, but I have to question that now after seeing Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> I'm not going to start construction on, on my Mount Rushmore of directors until I revisit Ghosts of Mars because I need to make sure that this, you know, is either sneaky great or actually is terrible. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be sneaky great, but I like I would take it over and I've never revisited the ward since the theater. Right now, my feeling is I would take it over the ward only because it feels more like a Carpenter movie than the ward. Sure. The ward is like, hey, anybody, anybody could have made that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's also a case to be made for like an impersonal movie that's made well versus a more personal film that's a disaster. True. Uh, and, you know, it just comes down to preference. Yeah. Um, okay. Gun to your head. Favorite Carpenter right now? Uh, the Thing. The Thing? Okay. Yeah, what's yours? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. It's the one that I, I go back to most. Okay. And like being able, like rewatchability is my thing. Like if, if I can rewatch this movie over and over and over and over, it's going to be one of my favorites of all yeah. time. So, and, and Big Trouble. And I, I can with the thing, I can watch the thing like once a year, but Big Trouble, I could watch once a week. Yeah, that And I, I have like for a, for a, a period, you know, um, I think Kurt's way more uh, fun and jovial in yeah. big, I mean, big troubles of fucking comedy. Right. 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 Um, but the thing, if you really think about it is extremely depressing. Yes. <laughs> right. So depressing. It's, it's the end of the world. Basically it's an apocalypse movie. Um, and I, I do not really revisit apocalypse movies yet. You know, uh, I go back to something like Henry of a por- uh, portrait of a serial killer all the time really? <laughs> or irreversible all the time, you know, come and see, I'll watch a couple times a year. I, I don't know why the thing <laughs> though, only once a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's too it depressing. Have, the thing. Yeah. It's not the lighthearted romp that irreversible is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, whatever. I, I, I'm very strange in that way, but uh, so that was my Carpenter mini. And then there, there's a couple more that I'll talk about when we get into our movie. Cause I, I went back and rewatched some of the, um, is it scream gems or Brad Fuller's company? Oh, who did okay. all the, the, the platinum dunes movies. Platinum dunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So anyways, that's, that's what I got. Okay. Um, I have a few that I will talk about. Cause as I was saying, before we started recording, a lot of stuff I've been watching has been for, podcasts uh although erica and i did our marathon this past weekend which i'm probably gonna write something about so i won't talk about it too much but included in that marathon was a first time watch of the wicker man which i had never seen from 1973 and that talk about a movie that becomes like an instant favorite that so rarely happens like when you watch um I won't say it so rarely happens when you watch older movies, but like sometimes it takes a viewing or two for something to sure for you to really fall in love with something. You watch it. You're like, that was good. And then you want to watch it again. And then you're like, "Ah, I think I like this more than I thought. Wicker man, like first viewing, I was like, Oh, I fucking love this movie and we'll watch it all the time. I didn't realize it was like a musical. There's so many musical numbers in that movie. It's so great. Yeah, I just love the vibe of it. I knew the ending because I live in the world and, you know, I I knew where it was all heading. So I didn't have that going for me, but it didn't matter. It didn't take anything away from my enjoyment of the movie. No, it's, you know, if, if, and I I know you, you 
you you're a theater guy you like going to the theater like this is a can you imagine this on stage like it, it could be a really interesting stage production right yeah, and yeah. so i think that's the sort of the uh, theatricals about the wicker man um and like you know i'm so when you when you said that uh, nobody ever said told me it was a musical i was like oh my god that's probably why i love this one so much okay question yeah who's the bad guy in the movie oh gosh uh yeah i mean it's <laughs> there isn't really one i mean you could say that it's the the island because they're doing something that we've decided is bad but it was did you see midsummer uh yeah did you like midsummer yeah i did same kind of debate right it's like sure. is is what they're doing wrong because it's not what we believe um so is the equalizer the bad guy because he's trying to impose his why well, can't i remember his name edward woodward edward okay. woodward yeah thank you um i'll just call him the equalizer uh <laughs> So good. So good. And like, I knew it was going to be good. And yet somehow it was better than I expected it to be. Like I going into it, I was like, this is a beloved classic. Everyone calls this a masterpiece. This is going to be homework. And then I sit down. I'm like, no, I love this. This is even better than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those that I I didn't come to it till maybe five years ago. And it was, you know, the, it's reputation seemed unattainable, right? It set this bar for itself. Where everyone's like, oh, it's a masterpiece. And I'm like, there's no way it can live up to those expectations. Yet it exceeds those expectations. Yeah. Um, and you know, Christopher Lee is so goddamn likable in this movie. Yeah. Even though I mean, you know, they murder, right? But yeah, you know, I I when when I think about the Wicker Man or Midsummer or, or you know, movies like this, I think about I should not be laughing about this but you remember a couple years ago there was a christian missionary who uh went to like a an island that had a a native tribe uh that had not been approached by outside people and they immediately killed him oh and i I was like yes of of course (laughs) don't do that and so like when i think of the wicker when i think about that i think of the wicker man vice versa I'm like, ah, it's just let these people do what they do. Right, you know, right, you right. would still be alive if you didn't come in trying to, you know, impose your beliefs and and like push, 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 push. Uh, you know, they and you know, my wife and I are big nature people. We're kind of the you know hippy dippy witchy type of people, and it's like oh, these these are our people, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Neil LeBute one with Nicolas Cage? No, I have not. I want to go back and revisit it now because I remember enjoying it just for its craziness, but I didn't have a a reference point for it. Sure. Um, My suspicion is it's like a bad remake of The Wicker Man, but a really fun, entertaining movie. They claim they knew they were making a comedy uh, I believe that Nicolas Cage was. I don't know about Neil LeBute. I, my jury's out on Neil LeBute. He I, comes up I, a lot on the show lately. I was just going to say, <laughs> do you like? did you sign some sort of contract with him? Like, is he paying you to say his name every episode? <laughs> He's just having a real resurgence. He's got two <laughs> movies out right now, and he made The, the Wicker Man. and uh, LeBute-a-sons. Yeah. Good for him. 
Yeah, right. Um, watched two movies on Shudder that are sort of of a piece with one another. Um, one is called Sissy from earlier this year, and I believe it's Australian. And it's about this girl who is an influencer who gets together with a group of friends. Yes, I could tell by your face, but this is not, <laughs> these are not pro influencer movies. Um, she gets together with a group of friends that she hasn't seen for a long time, including one who bullied her mercilessly as a kid. And things kind of escalate from there. Um, it's got some very impressive practical gore, if you're into that. Uh, it's well acted. It's like a three-star movie. Like, it's good. It's not quite great. It's The, the next movie I'm going to talk about, I think, is much better. Um, but it's interesting that they both launched on Shutter like within a week of each other because they're talking about some of the same things, the sort of narcissism of influencer culture of being the main character of everyone's life. Mm, yeah. Um, so I, I think it's totally worth seeing. I, okay. Let me, okay. So when Ingrid goes West, that's yeah. the name of the movie. Yeah. 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 Came out three years ago, four years, ago, whenever it was. Um, I, everyone is like, Anthony, you will love this movie. You have to watch it. So I watched it and I fucking hated it. Really? And it's like, I could not stand the characters in that movie. I love Ob Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. I love um, uh, Ice Cube Son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth yeah, yeah. Olsen oh, yeah, is good, yeah, but yeah, Ice Cube. Uh, yeah. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is. O'Shea like, Jackson Jr. He's the MVP of that movie. He's so great. Oh, His absolutely. obsession with Batman and everything is so charming. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I like the actors, but I, and, and O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s uh, character was fine. Um, but I could not stand, like, I didn't want to spend 90 plus minutes with these two fucking girls, right? Young, these, these young ladies, uh, because they were just insufferable people. And so we're kind of getting a, a spate of, of movies like this where, something like sissy comes out and like the filmmakers are like, yeah, we know these are shit people. And so we're going to punish them. Um, still like, I don't want to spend any time with these people. So it, it's hard for me to get on board with, with a movie like this. I'm, I, I will. Cause I try to watch everything, all the new horrors of the year, but you know, it, it's hard for me to get on board with a movie of people. I don't like yet. Henry portrait of a serial killer is one of my, <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're really not going to like the next movie that I'm going to recommend, <laughs> uh, because at least sissy is like a sympathetic character. She was bullied. She's trying, even though she's just a lot of like empty platitudes, she thinks she's helping people. So there, we have some goodwill towards her. Sure. The main character of the next movie, which is called Deadstream, which just started oh. on shutter last week. Uh, is not sympathetic <laughs> or likable in the least and is very well played by the lead actor whose name I don't have in front of me, but like he is awful and annoying and he's everything you hate about 
YouTubers and influencers. I mean, the movie's premise, it's, I, I, so I didn't love it for like the first 20, 25 minutes. I was like, is that, is this what it is? Like, it's just a found footage movie, except it's a guy doing a live you, a Twitch stream or YouTube sure. stream or whatever. And he's the worst. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it pretty quickly. Uh, I was like you, I'm like, I don't feel like spending time with this guy, but then the hook becomes, well, what if he entered the evil dead? And it's like, oh, well, that could be interesting if Ash was an obnoxious, awful YouTuber and then had everything that happens to him. Like, that's a movie. Yeah. And that's kind of what Deadstream is. It becomes a lot funnier. It becomes a lot more self-aware. Uh, it really puts this main character through the ringer uh, in a very entertaining way. It, it's pretty short. It's like 85 minutes, which is always a plus. Yeah. Um, I really, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, this was one that I was actually going to try to watch this month because uh, the the star Joseph Winter is also co director, co writer. Yes, thank you. You know, either wife, partner, sister, somebody with the last same last name as him. Um, but th- this one did seem a little more. Now, here's the thing: you and I, we have children uh, of the YouTube age. Yes, right, and. Uh, I I have found one YouTuber that I can stand out of, you know, the millions of shout out Dan TDM. Good for him. Oh, I know who he is. Um, My son used to watch him. Yeah. Dan's Dan's cool. But everybody else, just the most insufferable, annoying, like constant, like always screaming for some yeah. reason. Why are they yeah. always screaming? Why are they scream? Screaming does not mean energy. Um. But oh boy, uh, so maybe this one would be good <laughs> for me. Kind of let my frustrations out when I'm watching. Yes, this he really does a good job of capturing so much of what's irritating about these YouTubers, and he has a scream that is awful oh. and does oh. it a lot. And yeah. so it becomes funny. It's like the worst, yeah. but it's funny, you know. Well, oh. well, the the sort of um, header. I don't know what you call it, like the header image on on the Deadstream uh, letterboxed page looks gnarly as hell so i definitely want to check this out this month yeah you should i think i think you'll dig it i don't know i could be yeah um all right let's get into texas chainsaw massacre oh three uh i saw this movie opening night because it had an amazing trailer Yep. Uh, and I was a fan of the original and I was like yeah sure so Erica and I went opening night didn't love it bought the DVD when it came out because it had like three discs and four commentaries and it was like a new line platinum series special edition feast Anthony is searching for it right now no 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 as oh, okay. always Patrick, there, it is. I ha- there it is I have the PVT <laughs> <laughs> I got a shelf full of PVTs. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, it's got the Blockbuster sticker still on the back, which is very good. Um, so this is probably my third viewing. I hoped this would be the one that would unlock it because I made a joke on Twitter. Like, the only good thing about this movie is that Toby Hooper got paid. And I had a lot of people jumping in to say, like, that's the second best movie in the franchise. And I cannot sanction this kind of buffoonery. Um, it's fine to like it, but to say that it's the second best in the franchise, or in some cases, the best in the franchise. Whoa. Whoa. To okay. me, is crazy talk. Okay. 
I like this movie quite a lot. It is not the second best. Are we? Should we do it now? You want to do this now? Do it if, if you don't want to share yours. I'm gonna, can oh, I did, share you rank? My, did you rank? Yeah, of course. Can I? Can I reckon? Because he, I'd only seen three of them, four of them. It's not a great franchise, for the record. Well, you know, a lot of entries in this franchise. I don't understand, and maybe you can explain to me. Maybe you you kind of feel like this when it comes to remakes or sequels. Uh, I'm never married to the original movie, and I'm never. Um, I I could care less about continuity. I was sure. just kind of going and watch a movie as a standalone thing, which is why you know one I, I'm not, I don't I'm not big on superheroes, but I don't watch Marvel movies because I've tried to watch some of the new ones. I'm like, who's this? Who's this? And my right. kids are like, oh no, he's from this movie. I'm like, nope, never. Mind. <laughs> um, I'll pass. Uh, so when it comes to Texas Chainsaw, and I know like a lot of people are like this is the franchise that does not. Like continuity, what? It's just it. It's even more so than Halloween, I think. Like this one has eight different threads that none of them match up. Right. So okay. Um. Uh. Number one, of course, Toby's original. Okay. Undisputed. One yeah. of the, yeah, a true masterpiece. Number two is number two. Yeah. Um. Everybody, go go buy the the new vinegar syndrome 4k with Patrick's commentary. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. You ready for this, Patrick? Okay. I'm ready. Three. Yeah. 2022's Texas chainsaw massacre. Interesting. Not the way I would go. Uh, I really love that bus scene, the party bus scene. Sure. Well, again, it's a lot of, uh, influencers and people with cell phones getting hacked up. Yeah. But we don't spend a whole movie with them. Right, exactly. Right. Um, and then this one, and then the O three. Okay. Remake, okay. Followed by the sequel to this one, The Beginning, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. Um, and so I had only seen uh the original, number two, and the remake. Okay. So then the beginning is followed in my ranking by at number six, Leatherface. Okay. So that's Chainsaw Three. Got it. Um. Oh, <laughs> followed There's by two movies called Leatherface, right? Followed so, by Leatherface. <laughs> got it. Got it. Uh, last or the kind of newest one or second to newest one, followed by the McConaughey Zellweger, which I didn't really love. No. Um. Although McConaughey is off the chain. <laughs> uh. He is. You know. I'm like God. This guy. Fucking give him an Oscar for this movie. Um. And then in. There's nine of these movies, but in 10th place is Texas Chainsaw 3D. So I might put that third. (laughs) What? (laughs) Because like I said, I don't really care for any of the sequels uh, beyond one and two. To me, it's one and two and then degrees of like, I don't really care. And 3D has the advantage of trying to have fun, which I don't think, I think most of the other ones try to be gritty and dark and serious because they're like, well, that's what the original did, right? So we have to be, we have to out serious every previous entry. And 3D is like, no, who gives a shit? Let's be fun. Let's do our thing because 
<laughs> Alexandra Daddario outdoing everything Jessica Biel does in the remake. Uh, it's got her teaming up with Leatherface. It's 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 fucking crazy, and I'm not saying in a good way, but in a way that I find entertaining. Yeah. Um. Well, Patrick, you're you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, like I, I know people like are fans of Texas Chainsaw 3D and I'm like, oh, it's fine. Whatever. Here's the, the thing that that O3 and 3D have in common is that O3 is actually called the exploitation of 20 year old Jessica Beale. Right. And uh, Chainsaw 3D is actually called the exploitation of 20-year-old Alexandra Diodario, or however old she is. Um, and, like, it's real gross. Like, I, you know, I was never a, a Beale head, right? And so, and I remember going to see this with my friend Kevin. He's like, oh, gosh, she's so hot. And I'm like, hey, you know, she, she's fine, but it's she, you know, um, I, I was more of a... <laughs> What's his name? I, I was more of a uh, Eric Balfour head, a Balfour <laughs> head, um, with or without his face. Uh, oh, without absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I get it. I get it. Uh, and his and his little dongle. Right, uh, right. So that's before we recorded. Nobody knows what we're talking <laughs> that's a about. Forget that. <laughs> callback to something nobody understands. Um. So, uh, I really I I dug this one when I saw it. it this was. Honest to God, this is probably the first Chainsaw Massacre I saw when it came out. Um, I really dug it and um, went and got the PVT as soon as it came out, uh, you know, or I guess what, six months after it came out to Blockbuster and they put him in the bin three for 12 or four for 12. Yeah. Um, and I watched it a lot and then, and then I put it on the shelf and, and when, when you're like, do you want to do a podcast? I said, yes, let's either talk about Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, or Chainsaw 03. And you're like, I like I like <laughs> Halloween 2. And I'm like, oh, but Chainsaw 03, Patrick. Okay, pulled it off the shelf, blew the dust off, and watched it again. And I was like, yeah, I fucking like this movie, man. Um, there's so much silly shit in it. Um, but it, and I agree with you, I think... Uh, we love what Toby does in, you know, he, he makes the, uh, what does Mick call it? The red comedy, right? Red humor. Red humor. Um, And nobody got it. So he goes out and makes Chainsaw 2. And then I think it's hysterical that everybody that comes in and and tries to do a remake or a sequel or whatever, um, they're like, oh no, just what you're saying. The gritty, they don't get the humor of it. And it's like, that's, that wasn't the fucking point of Again, you go out and make whatever movie you want. I could give a shit. I'll watch it and I'll like it or not, whatever. Um, but it's so funny. They're like, no, gritty. Texas Chainsaw is all about gritty. And I think the one that came out earlier this year in February is a little more fun than like w- way more fun than Leatherface. The yeah, you know, la- or two years ago, Leatherface. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they they kind of touched on the the funness of it this year uh but so chainsaw 03 
you know, Marcus Nispel is is going all out. Uh, you, you get the Michael Bay look, and you get the grittiness of Texas Chainsaw. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think it's interesting how I never feel like Sally Hardesty is exploited the character or the actress. What's what's the original actress's name? Uh, Marilyn Burns. Marilyn Burns. I never feel like Marilyn Burns is exploited. I mean, she's put through the ringer, right? In the first one. Or or even Caroline Williams in number two. I don't feel maybe Caroline Williams is a little more exploited, right? But calling her stretch and the short shorts and everything. But it's not such a sexual thing. Right. Uh, the first one is not sexual at all. Caroline Williams a little bit. Um, but like the with Jessica Biel, uh, my God, it's like, what can we do to make sure every boy that walks out of the theater is walking out with a boner? Well, Michael Bay can't conceive of a female character that he doesn't <clears throat> want to fuck unless it's one that he feels like he can like laugh at or something like they either have to be someone grotesque that he would never deem to sleep with uh, or somebody he absolutely wants to fuck. And that's, and that's so much of this movie is just, I don't, you know, I used to hold this opinion because I, like a lot of people had this Mandela effect idea about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is that it's like a snuff film. It's so, down and dirty and in your face. And then I watched it again on Blu-ray two or three years ago. And I was like, Oh wait, actually it's very beautiful. And it's has all these like interesting formal compositions and Daniel Pearl's photography. Yes. It's very sweaty. Yes. You could feel the heat. You know, all those things are true. That's atmosphere. That's not grit. If that distinction makes sense. And absolutely. And I was like, I used to hold it against the, the, the remake that like, but they made everything beautiful and that's antithetical to what Texas Chainsaw is about. And that's an incorrect opinion. Like they were trying to make a beautiful film the first time. Um, this one I think is, is more concerned with looking like a music video because it's missing atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. the photo- it's Daniel Pearl again, shooting it. And it's yeah. just, it's very beautiful. It's very beautifully shot. Um, but, but, you know, Marcus Nispel sometimes is, like, all about could and not about should. So it's like, well, what if the camera pulled back through the gaping bullet hole in the girl's head? It's like, well, yeah, you could do that, but should you do that is a question. I think the answer is yes. Because okay. that, that shot still, because when I rewatched it, I was like, yes, fucking <laughs> rules. I love it. You know, I mean, I was, I was 20 years old again. I was like, yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's the thing is, I won't say that this is a bad movie or even a bad remake. I think it's a a perfectly functional remake. I don't think it really adds anything new except no. a lot of gloss. Um, it doesn't detract anything from the original. It just isn't for me. Yeah, I uh, I think it. When you get to uh, talking about a remake and everybody has uh, just like an asshole has their own opinion um, and they all stink. It's uh, I think 
Chainsaw 03 is a good example of of a quote unquote remake in that you're not just retelling and like shot for shot doing um and not in an arty way like right like Gus Van Sant Psycho right. but we've seen so many remakes where it's like okay we're going to update this and just make it look pretty but we're going to still kind of do yeah. the same movie yeah. this one i mean it changes shit up and sure. I, I in in my opinion for the better i think um uh does it i mean it screams of early 2000s sure it can't fucking help that it was made in 2000 you know in the early 2000s and we're here we are 20 almost 20 years later talking about it so i don't hold that against it um uh but my one huge gripe is this thing with jessica beale it's like you know uh i can imagine the script uh notes from from bay were like okay put her in a, a white midriff wife beater and then we're going to get her wet mm-hmm. and we're going to get her cold mm-hmm. and then we're going to get her cold and wet <laughs> and that that's going to be the movie and like that's sort of that's almost like uh the main set piece of the movie and i i had i haven't done any research i haven't read up on if Jessica bill ever talked about this movie um, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully it was a good time for everybody involved. Um, but that's the one thing where, you know, I'm kind of watching through my fingers where she goes into the basement, right. To see her friend up on the meat hook and, um, uh, Jonathan Tucker up on the meat hook. And of course the house is dealing with massive plumbing problems, <laughs> Because we have to get Jessica's shirt to be see-through. Right. That's right, why, you know. Right. Um, but also, what the fuck? I understand, like, you know, you're like your stereotypical white trash people. But it's really bad plumbing problems. Can we not get this fixed? At least <laughs> or turn the water off or something? Um, why is it that the, like, it's the gross pink goo from ghostbusters 2 that comes out of the faucet at the beginning with the old man and the bathtub right then downstairs it's free and clear water (laughs) so uh, you know plot hole plot hole so what you're saying is this movie isn't good it's a masterpiece (laughs) come on uh you know what john larroquette get that tcm money because this is oh yeah 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 has he done at least three narrations. Um, he did the first one. He did this one, and what other one? Uh, I does I I thought he did the beginning. Maybe he does. He might. Uh, I've only sequel. seen the beginning. I think once. I think he does this. Um, the this 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 one sequel. The, the the prequel to this one, which oh I, no no he yeah he does the beginning and does. okay does the twenty twenty two one. So yeah, good for him, John. Wow, Larkin. yeah, way to Get go. It, uh, what, what? What's his Night Court character name? Dan, Dan. Fielding. Dan. Get it, Dan. <laughs> uh, so, Patrick, can you tell me where are these kids from? They're in Texas, obviously. Yeah. Where are they from? I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. Like Jonathan Tucker has such a. I don't know if you ever watched it. He was on a show, very short lived, maybe canceled after six seven eight episodes called the black donnelly's on nbc 
probably 15 years ago. And it's, it takes place in either New York or Boston. And so they have that accent from, you know, whichever town they're in. And Jonathan Tucker, like he has such a specific voice and the way mm-hmm. he talks. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was like, I just, I don't get it. Cause Eric Balfour starts off with a Southern accent, but then loses it. Um, Mike Vogel is, it's just, it's like, where the fuck do these kids come from? They don't need to come uh, from anywhere. They just need to be fuckable. <laughs> and they are. And that's what matters, that they're all beautiful. You know what? When when I was, so this comes out when I'm 21. And even then I was like, too sweaty. Do you know, do you know what these kids would smell like? It's yeah, it's pretty I'm, gross. I'm not, I'm not into it. It's not into gross. it. Um, yeah. It's, there's so many kind of laughable things and, and maybe, I, maybe I like this movie because I make fun of it when I'm watching it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I hope not because I hate it when people fucking do that to movies, right, but right. maybe I'm the asshole Patrick. <laughs> When I was in grad school, uh, one of my major papers that I wrote came from this idea, and it wasn't my idea, but it was uh, this article that I read in some journal that was talking about how horror moved from this idea of being secure to the idea of being paranoid between the 50s and the 70s. Mm Mm-hmm. And secure horror is like, we know who the bad guys are. We know where they come from. We know what they want. Uh, Normality is restored by the end. And then we get to the 70s and all bets are off because Last House on the Left and Texas Chainsaw and even Night of the Living Dead kind of throws a lot of that stuff out the window. And so I took that idea and I said, well, we have an interesting phenomenon going on right now in the 2000s, because this was probably 2007, 2008, where we're remaking all of these quote-unquote paranoid horror movies, but we are returning them to a place of security. And Texas Chainsaw kind of does that in terms of like explaining who Leatherface is and how he got that way in terms of giving the baby back to Jessica Biel and restoring the nuclear family at the end of the film. Um, I had these other examples, obviously. Uh, I use like the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, and Mm, I don't remember what other remakes I talked about. But um, I just, I don't know what this movie thinks Texas Chainsaw Massacre is or, or what it... What about the original film, except for like, well, some kids stumble upon a house that they shouldn't be at and they get killed. And that's the basic premise. Um, I think there's more going on in Toby Hooper's original film than just that. Yeah. But I feel like, and, and it doesn't automatically make it bad, but I feel like this movie just kind of reduces it to its basic premise. There's no real subtext. It's not really interested in being about anything greater um, and you know, I, I point to like the Dawn of the Dead remake, which came out the following year, which takes one of the greatest horror movies of all time and makes it a movie about nothing. Right. And I really like the Dawn of the Dead remake because it's a very effective and well-made film. Yeah. Um, and I, I think 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre 03 is a well-made film. I just don't find it to be very effective. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, honest to God, I think it's just a, it's a purely cash, it's cash grab. I think that's, that's all it is because they're ca- cashing in. Jessica Biel is the star. She, she's not the first person I think of when it comes to a horror movie, you know, um, and so that was and, sort of the model in the 2000s. It was like, let's get people from TV and stick them in. Right. So horror remakes. Yeah. So she's big uh, from Seventh Heaven. And uh, so you got that kind of big draw for for Jessica Biel. Um, and the trailer trailer's great. Yes. I mean, all timer. It's gosh, whoever cut that motherfucker. Good on you. Um, sold it really well and sold sort of the sex appeal of Jessica Biel. And so is this the first of the um, Platinum Dunes? I believe so. Remakes. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So um, I I think that the purely, you know, I, I think the dark, when you think about the dark castle, right? 13 ghosts, uh, mm. house on Haunted Hill, uh, ghost ship. Those I think while not great, are uh, more um, lovingly made and yes. like the you know you have like William Malone right like you have right. action directors right. who love the love the genre. I'm not saying Marcus Nispel doesn't love the genre or that he's in it just for the work. Um, I think he's you know you watched Chainsaw Three, pretty fucking solid movie, right? It's um, but could also be forgettable very middle of the road but um so you have the dark castle remakes that are lovingly made and an awesome tribute and you could just tell it's a it's a it's an absolute tribute to old-time horror or the mid-century horror and then you have these platinum dunes remakes and again, I'm not talking shit about like Brad Fuller or any of the directors or, you know, Michael Bay or anything. Um, they went out and knew what they were doing. And after hearing, do you remember when Brad Fuller was on an early episode of Shockwaves? Like, I, I was like, oh, this, you know, like, he actually does care about the genre. Yeah. Um, so it was an interesting inter- interview. And so, yeah, for sure. Kind of with that in mind, going back and rewatching, it's like, oh, there's a little bit of love in here. But I think they're, purely cash grabs so you have uh chainsaw uh i i watched um just yesterday the ryan reynolds amityville horror which is well let's go back and take back talk about continuity amityville nothing (laughs) the name right well the name is like public domain right so anybody can make an amityville movie i believe yeah um but i think amityville just like chainsaw 03 does a good job at doing a remake, right? And they're getting the hot stars at the time. Um, Melissa George, who didn't last very long, but I, who I, I really like. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, like on his, like he's just starting to yeah. blow up here. Um, and they do a good job. Again, Marcus Nispel, right? He no, directed, no. No. No, he did Friday. Yeah, um, he did Friday. Uh, Andrew Douglas. Andrew Douglas, that's right. Um Solid movie, some really scary shit, I think. Um, and I dig that one. I dig the Amityville horror remake, but you can watch that and it's like 
we're just cashing in on the name. It's just, uh, you know, one in the line. It's sort of like lining up uh, your your Marvel movies or your Disney movies. This is, you know, the next quarter we're going to release the next Marvel right, movie. Right. And that's sort of the blueprint. I felt like when you're watching these movies, that's sort of the blueprint that I can imagine that Brad Fuller and Michael Bay and these guys are standing in front of saying, okay, in October, we're going to release this. And then we're going to dump one in January. And then we'll do a summer one. And then we're back to October and we'll do... Um, you know, every three a year, whatever. Um, and so you get to the Friday the 13th remake in 2009, mm-hmm. directed by Marcus Nispel, mm-hmm. uh, which I just watched for the first time. I'm not a big, like Friday the 13th is not my series. And it, it was it was fine. You know, I know some people that love it. I know some people that absolutely hate it. Again, very middle of the road, very platinum dunes. Yeah. Right? Um, you have uh, the nightmare remake, which Oof. it's almost like consensus is most people hate that. I kind of like it. <laughs> um, but again, you, you know, my taste in movies, you never know what the fuck I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like. <laughs> um, cash grab. I think these are just, these are just cash grab movies and when you think about that, that's such a, a cynical way of thinking about movies as a fan or as a writer or whatever, a podcaster, to think about it like that. Um, because ultimately, we just want to be movie fans who go and sit down and watch a movie and either enjoy it or, or don't enjoy it and not have to think about all the other shit that surrounds the movie. Um but it, you know, the the age that we live in, we can find out every goddamn thing we want about right. the movie behind right. the scenes and all that. And um, so it it's hard for me to sort of, uh, and I always talk about this with with my sponsor, like balance. How can I watch a movie and just, um, uh, oh god, without saying the word content. <laughs> like ingest the movie just experience the movie um and not think about oh this is just part of the platinum dune slate mm-hmm. it was really fucking hard to do that as i was watching yeah Chainsaw three right horror friday the 13th um all that said i think they are solidly made movies i don't think they're bad movies i think the people that say oh that's a piece of shit are like the fans of the original or fans of the series and and like you said chainsaw 3 it's not badly made but it it's you know and it might not even be a bad movie it's just not for some people well it ends up being a little bit soulless um, and and that's certainly what you're describing is a sort of cynical opportunity to cash in on a familiar property. And I guess I get frustrated that there's a real missed opportunity there because obviously I'm team Dark Castle all the way yeah. uh, to one degree or another. I don't love Ghost Ship, but I think all their other stuff is like really pretty cool and brings something new to each and every one of those properties. You yes. know, it's like, we're going to remake 13 ghosts, but we're going to do something totally different with it. We're going to remake house on hundred hill, but we're going to do something totally different. Dark castle doesn't seem to be interested in that. They don't seem to be interested in doing anything new with the property that they're adapting. Yeah. 
And in fact, I would argue in almost every case, they strip away what was special or unique about oh, yeah. the original. Uh, I think it's true of Texas Chainsaw. I think it's true of maybe less so of Friday the 13th. My objection to Friday the 13th, which is a totally competent slasher movie, is, again, it's very concerned with fuckability. Yeah. And it really just plays as like a greatest hits reel. It just yeah. mashes up the first four movies. And it's like, remember those? Here they're all together. Um, but come on, Dean from Gilmore Girls. But Dean from Gilmore Girls is in it because, again, we have to just cast TV people. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's not what we're here to talk about, but I have to hear what it is you like about that movie because, for me, that's the greatest offender is, like, it's slick in a way, but it strips away everything. It strips away the soul of the original completely, I think. Yeah, I have not seen it since it came out so i i mean i might go back and rewatch it okay so for instance i went and saw the the blair witch remake that wingard and um yeah, yeah, Simon yeah. did right yeah and i was like 10 star movie masterpiece when i saw it in the theater and then i went back and watched it the next year and i was like oh boy <laughs> i had almost the opposite Oh, interesting. Thing happened. I saw it, wasn't crazy about it, rewatched it at home. I was like, I was a little too hard on that movie. It's better than I gave it okay. credit for being. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's probably another one of those. We have to meet yeah. it in the middle, right? It's not yeah. a masterpiece, it's not a piece of shit. It's, um, so, I'm interested in, again, like, Nightmare is not my series. I'm a Phantasm guy. So, which, Ravager, oh, that was a real disappointment. But we'll I think I like that one. movie better than you, too. <laughs> Well, because why... again it's impossible and that's an instance where like it's impossible for me to not consider what they were working with right exactly yeah. the limitations are in my head the whole time I'm watching it so I'm like well with what they had you know it's they're trying right so with, with the nightmare it is I just remember it being super slick um, I think Jackie Earl Haley is a good actor sure um, and I remember when Bobby and I went and saw it we were scared. Uh, but other than that, like, don't take what I say, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt because I, I'm, whenever I rewatch it, whenever that'll be, I could be like, oh my God, what, what is happening here? Um, or I could be like, it, again, you know, it's an Amityville horror. It's a Friday the 13th, 09. It's a chainsaw. Oh, three, you know, middle of the road, competent, Fuck, I don't know. I can't speak to it. I haven't seen it for a long time. See, but if their if their mission statement is, and I think this is their mission statement, is to, you know, update these movies in order to bring them to a new audience. There's a cynicism inherent in the idea that, like, well, an audience isn't going to go watch a movie from 1973. So we have to remake it so that they'll watch it. Um, yeah. I think they're just selling the audience so short by not trying to capture any part of what makes the original interesting or unique or special to just make it perfunctory and slick is to deny them the essence of the original film. I think you have to at least try to capture that. If you're not going to add anything new the way dark castle does, I think you have to at least try to capture some of the essence of the original instead of just going through the beats of the plot, which is kind of what they do. Right these are <clears throat> excuse me ultimate corporate movies yeah because when 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 i watch um 
or try to watch a Marvel movie, <laughs> it's the same feeling I get. It's just, it's part of the blueprint, part of the business model. Right. And so going back and again, solid movies, I'm not taken away from the direction or anything like, and obviously they have a huge fucking fan base. So rad for them. Um, the Platinum Dunes ones, I get the same thing. It's part of a blueprint. It's very corporate. It's part of the corporate model. Um, and again, you you said the, the exact word, soulless. And that is super depressing to think about as a movie. But I think you and I are not, and, and most people listening, right, or reading the site, are not your everyday movie fans. Sure. Right. Luckily, I live in a house with, and see, you, Erica, is is one of us, right? Bobby, my wife, is one of those every day, just watch, you know, what they're telling me to watch sort of viewers, whether it comes to TV or to movies. And so we're, <clears throat> when I try to show her something strange or off the beaten path, she's like, eh, you know, not not really for me. I'm like, yeah, well, uh, your corporate bullshit is not for me either, Bobby. <laughs> I'll see you in divorce court. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my wife. We know. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, again, that's super fucking depressing to think about that these uh, these producers, these fil- uh, not ne- not even the filmmakers, the suits, right, know what they're doing. They're just churning out product content gross four-letter word that we fucking hate but this is you know these platinum dunes movies content yeah straight up content wait uh, so you know maybe for chainsaw 03 there's there's some um um residual feelings about you know um what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? The memories of nostalgia. the past. Nostalgia. Thank you. Wow. I got to stop doing drugs before podcasting. Um, I'm joking. I don't do drugs. Everybody. I'm very sober. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's nostalgia playing here for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but upon this rewatch, I still had fun. Like there are uh, some really silly moments. Like for instance, um, Arlie Ermey, love him again. He, he's the no best range. addition to the movie. Absolutely, yes. yeah, agreed. Yeah. So he shows up, uh, and also real, real quick. So I know I like the sequel to this, Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, because then it kind of explains things, and you're like, oh, interesting. I like what they did. Anyways, um, he shows up, and you know, I smell bullshit. <laughs> and so he. You know, he's so fucking sadistic to these kids and he brings out, you know, I I don't have a a roll of regular sized kitchen saran wrap. And it's like, we're going to wrap, we're going to wrap her up. And I remember thinking, oh, they're going to wrap the head because it's, you know, oozing. and Right. Well, they put a camera through there. So (laughs) maybe that kind of wiped it out. And then, and then it jumps to the uh, jump cut and Arlie Ermey and uh, um, the other Patrick, whatever his name is, they're hauling out the, this girl's body entirely wrapped in saran wrap. And I'm like, you did that with 
a single roll of kitchen saran wrap. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Um, and I gotta think, no, it's, it's not on purpose for a laugh. You know, it's probably whatever they had, but I don't know. I think that's funny. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of that's kind of the joke of it. It's probably not. No, it's probably not. No, thanks, Patrick. (laughs) I don't think it is. (laughs) But then so that same setting, um, Leatherface comes and he chases down the girl. And of course, she's wearing a a down jacket. So he cuts her up. And then um, Jessica Biel is sitting in the van and he looks back and he's wearing Eric Balfour's face. Kind of cool, kind of yeah. gross, really creepy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's such a beautiful shot because it's like snowing feathers all around right. him. Right. It's in slow motion. And um, I'm just like, God, what an interesting fucking movie to have a shot like that. But then like be so glossy and so corporate and soulless um almost everywhere else trying to be gritty pretending to be gritty but then also exploiting the shit out of our lead actress here yeah um so it it, it's i think there's so many interesting things in this movie where i sit there thinking why how does this how does this one shot get through like were there deals made where where um daniel pearl was like I'm going to come and shoot this movie for you, but here are the six shots that I want to do. <laughs> I hope so. I hope he got uh, some say in what he wanted to do and wasn't just following Marcus Nispel's <laughs> orders. Um, I mean, you have to believe he has some input because you compare it to the Friday the 13th remake, which I don't think has any moments as interesting visually Um as some of the stuff they pull off in Texas Chainsaw 03 and yet they're directed by the same guy. So, right. you know, cinematographer is the, the variable there. So hopefully yeah. Daniel Pearl got some, some input. Um, what do you think of uh, Andrew Brynjarski as Leatherface? And well, by I... Leatherface, I mean Thomas Hewitt. <laughs> not a Sawyer, <laughs> not a uh, Cooper or whatever. So many last names right. in this whole series. Um, he is hawking, right? Yeah. Uh, he is scary. I like the shot, although I like it. I don't like it. It's I like it because it's gross. When we see him without the face mm-hmm. and he doesn't have the nose, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, nasty. Good touch. I like that. It's gross. Um, I think, you know, I, I think he's fine. Um, when I think of Leatherface, and maybe this is a cardinal sin, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not like, oh, Gunnar Hansen is so great. I know Gunnar Hansen. I know he's great. But like Leatherface, the character, I think is is so much bigger than the actor playing that character, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, what What about what about you? Well, in addition to being a, a giant piece of shit, you yeah. should read up on Andrew Brynjarski. Oh, no, I did. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. I did. Uh, um, 
he is fine. He has the size, and like you said, he's hulking and he's intimidating. I, my objection, I guess, would be, and where I would give the advantage to somebody like Gunnar Hansen or even Bill Johnson from Part 2, is I feel like both of them, and again, this may just come down to the screenplay and the direction from Toby Hooper, not just to the actor playing Leatherface, but like there's an interpretation on the character. There's a take. Uh, Gunnar Hansen's Leatherface is a child. Yeah. Uh, Bill Johnson's is a horny teenager. Yeah. This Leatherface is a big guy in a mask. Like, yeah. and we just have so many big guy in mask movies, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think uh, this year's Chainsaw, I think the, the Alexandra Diodario one, and maybe, maybe those, those are just the two kind of go back to Leatherface as a child. Like he doesn't, he doesn't grow, right? He still has a child's mindset. He's uh, mentally disabled is what I'm trying to say here. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting in Leatherface, the one that came out a few years ago where it's his childhood. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Isn't this fun to talk about? Wow. Um, (laughs) Trying to keep all the names straight. You know, I, I was like, wow, this is, that was, maybe that was the one where I was like, oh, I cannot try to connect these movies at all because each one is making their own thing. And you know what? That's kind of how I want it. So, um, but I like the story, like, like Gunnar Hansen's who, by the way, incredibly nice gentleman. I met him at a haunted house years ago when I was a kid. Oh, cool. Him and Kane Hodder were uh, like at an autograph table for free. Wow. When like outside of when you finish the haunted house being chased by the dude with the chainsaw, you know, um, you know, like, ah, ah, what? <laughs> you? Uh, and, yeah, they're sitting there. So incredibly nice gentleman. Um, but uh, I like that take on it where there is some sort of and it's not what's interesting is that Gunnar Hansen's take on Leatherface, he's a child, he's disabled, but we still don't really have sympathy for him. Whereas some of these other sequels, remakes, whatever, try to get the Alexander Diodaro one. I don't want to fucking sympathize with, with cuz. Okay. (laughs) Um, And, but uh, Andrew Bisnerowski's Leatherface is, is a very Platinum Dunes character. Soulless. He's just a guy in a mask, a suit, a big yeah, dude yeah. in the way, hulking, trying to be scary. Um, he's not scary as Leatherface. Because like, I, I watched uh, Toby's uh, Chainsaw, the original Chainsaw, at least once a year. And Gunner's Leatherface scares me every yeah. single time. It's very scary. This one, this Leatherface has never scared me. And maybe that's because the movie's too pretty. Or I'm sorry, pretty. It's super ugly. Like the color grading is yeah, really bad. Very two well, thousands. It's it's this idea that like it takes place in the seventies, but it clearly exists in two thousand three. <laughs> like just Mike Vogel's like frosted hair and stubble. <laughs> Everything about Jessica Biel screams contemporary. Um the, the the fact that they tried to make it a period piece is almost 
ridiculous. Like just set it in 2003 then. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that is definitely to the detriment. I mean, I can't think of maybe um, Erica Learson. Yeah. Um, she's From probably Blair the one Witch that book I book of shadows. Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't seen I it since movie. the night it came out. It was your favorite movie that year, wasn't it? Of course it was that yeah. and Charlie's angels. I only remember that those came out at the same time because I saw them back to back. Um, I, I buy her as a, as a character from the seventies and probably that's just her costume, right? Cause she has sort of the, that shirt where it's just the string in the back and it's a piece of fabric, right? Right. Just covering up her, her boobs. Um, I don't buy any of these other people as characters from the seventies. They're, they're too pretty. Um, I do feel the heat. It is sweaty in that van. Yeah. Um, but it, it, man, and it's not fair to compare it to a masterpiece like Toby's Chainsaw. Um, but you're fucking remaking it, so it, inevitably people are going to compare it. And it's it really is an embarrassment. Friends, I still like this movie. I know I'm <laughs> dumping all over it. I still like this movie. I'm going to go back and rewatch it, but... Um, you know, I, I I think the there are some parts in this movie. I think Mike Vogel, when he's in the basement, um, got to have someone up on the meat hook, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his his toes playing the piano, trying to push himself up. Sure, good touch. Yeah, really disturbing. But when he tries to lift himself up, and it happens two or three times, and then he slips and falls back on the hook. Like my butthole jumps up into my Adam's apple. And it's just like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> he does it once on his own, and then it happens again when Jessica Beale's trying to help him up. Off it's the because hook. she's wet, Patrick. <laughs> well, she's slippery, and she lost him. Um, I also tire of the conceit, and this movie never gets sick of, where every new person we meet is also in on it. Like, I think you get to do that once. You could do that with Arlie Ermey. Like, oh, there's a cop. He's here to help us. Oh, no, he's driving us back to the house. He's also uh, not a Sawyer. What are they? The Hewitts. He's a Hewitt. Um, Whatever. Uh, You get to do that once. But every new person they meet is just like, oh, and guess what? I'm also part of the family. It's, it's, It's repetitive, you know? It it is. Um, although I like, is it Mamie Mamie Meek, who plays the no 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 Kathy Lampkin who plays the the bigger woman in the trailer. She's oh my 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 that one. <laughs> I I agree with what you're saying. It's like oh fuck, of course they're they're part of the family or like they're in on it. Um, but I love how she plays this character, constantly smiling, and whereas like the the woman who, who has stolen the baby is, is sort of um, uh, j- just a, a normal psychopathic woman that you'd see in any movie. Yeah. But Kathy Lampkin. So, so creepy in this never stops smiling, but you know, she's, you know, really creepy. She's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh God. It's, it's, it's creepy. Uh, but I completely agree with you. It's like, what fucking inbred town is this that everybody, you know, is is a brother sister 
cousin, mom, dad. Right, right. And I, I think, you know, if you're going to do the whole conspiracy among the town, you're not going to like this. I think Texas Chainsaw 3D does it better um, by making them conspirators to kill off the Sawyers and introducing something that's worse than Leatherface. It's not a great idea, but at least it's a different idea. Agreed. Um, I did like that idea in that movie. Um but oh, it, you know, it was evil dies tonight. It's the original yeah, evil dies right, tonight, right? right? And right. I was like, oh my god, I had to sit through this last year or whenever <laughs> the fuck, like two years ago, whenever it came out. Um, it was last year. Can you believe it? Was it last year really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So I understand people. Let me look on. Oh yeah, see it. It's all over the place. Just on Letterboxd, a three and a half, three and a half, three and a half, two, one, three and a half, three and a half, one. For, for which entry? For oh three. Okay. Four, four stars. Calm down. Four stars. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little unnecessary. You know, I, I'm very middle of the road. Three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Um, I think, you know... Uh, Come on, one star. This is not a one star movie. Um, you must be married to the franchise then. So fuck you. Uh, I'm joking. I, I would not consider myself married to the franchise at all because, as I said, obviously I love the first two and they're made right. by my favorite director, but I don't have much use for any of the sequels. I'm not holding against this movie the fact that it's not the original. You know, right. like I can I can disassociate the two. Um. I just, for me, it doesn't work on its own. I mean, I would, I I'd call it like a two star movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's two to like a three, three and a half might be, I might be over exaggerating here, but you know, two to three star movie. I, I will accept that. Um, <laughs> waiting for that five star. Got to see that five star review. It's got to be there, right? <laughs> well, every movie has its super fan, right? <laughs> um I want to see what I gave this because I don't rate movies anymore but for whatever reason when I go to log them my old rating shows up. Oh interesting. Which is annoying so then I have to like erase it when I whatever but sometimes it's still there so Yeah. <clears throat> um uh, never mind. I don't know how to get it to show up. <laughs> Damn it. Um Oh, two stars. You've logged this film. Two stars. See? Two exactly. Stars. There you go. I called okay. it just right. Um, I had one other thing. I mean, salt. Good. Oh, where was that? Thoughts on excellent detail. Nah, whatever. Um, oh, oh, okay. The beginning and the ending. The book ends for the movie. Oh, yeah. Thoughts. I think they're kind of lame. I don't okay. think they're totally necessary, right? especially when you're ending with narration. I don't mind opening with narration. Obviously, you're paying tribute to the original. But if you want to just end it with that one dude with the camera going down and cut to black and do the credits, that's fine. But to then jump in with Lara Kett doing more voiceover after that happens, I just feel like softens the blow of what's meant to be your gut punch ending. Agreed. Totally agree with that. I now tell me if I'm wrong or maybe you agree. Um, capitalizing on 
the ending of the player of the original Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the ending, I like the, the opening bit is interesting. Um, the ending is, I, I think going back to the cops walking down the stairs is unnecessary, yeah. which then renders the first part unnecessary. Exactly. Right. So, so what's, what's the point of having them there? Right. I, but I, it was, it was cool, uh, you know, hearing Laracat again, um, back for this one. So, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about Texas Chainsaw 03? It's a masterpiece, and I have convinced Patrick that it is a masterpiece. Oh. Marcus, Marcus Nispel going on your Mount Rushmore. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? Um, on, on the DVD, you get a music video of motorgate or moto graders suffocate Ooh, never even heard of that band no me either and it's like the one song on the soundtrack so again it's like another corporate decision we're gonna have one song we're gonna make a music video it's like there's not even a soundtrack on this so uh, the awesome. movie's fine. <laughs> kind of ruined it for me, Patrick. I'm sorry. All I <laughs> did was point out stuff in it. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, as always, go to fthismovie.com every day for cool movie shit. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram. We have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash fthismovie. And... Um, what else? Anthony, where can people find you? Uh, AK Dineland Twitter. And every Friday, have this movie. This month, at least, you'll get a read about. I don't have to write about the Carpenter stuff now, right? Because I talked about it. So Yeah, good point. You know, there's uh, 300 words I don't have to write. So <laughs> uh, every Friday, check me out. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah.